Welcome back into Don't Forget the Popcorn, the Dave and Wes movie podcast. I'm your host, Dave McPeak, joined in the MPN Studios East because we are in the West Ledesma uh, Casa right now. Wes, how are you doing tonight? Oh man, good Good to be at the home base for this one, Dave. I feel a little bit more comfortable, you know, ready to pod, buddy. Got to give you a couple home games, you know. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's episode 30. Wow. What if I told you? That there's a story of two former. Uh, I should give you a thirty for thirty. Uh, you know, give you give you the thirty for thirty gist here. Uh, but man, thirty episodes. I mean, that's I'm pretty proud of us, yeah, man. Yeah, heck yeah, pretty proud of us. I mean, I that's actually I had no idea that we we're at the thirtieth, and you know, until you just really mention it. And boy, they've been flying by, buddy. They have been. Like it's even when I was kind of scrolling through to just look at like some of the topics that we've done and some of the things that we've looked at. I'm like, man, this one feels like it was not that long ago. Yeah. I remember talking about Die Hard like it was just yesterday. Yep. The was just breaking up. down Mrs. Delphire, seeing you pretend to jump over all those couches during that <laughs> clip. I mean, there's there's just a lot of good stuff going on that, I mean, it's it's crazy how fast time yeah. flies when you're having pods, having uh, pods. And, and doing that. So big stuff, you know, make sure to follow us on the Michigan Podcasting Network on Facebook at DFTP Movie Pod on Twitter. You can find us there. Uh, last pod, we talked about Meet the Parents. You know, it was a lot of fun. You know, some only really one feedback because we're taping a little early uh, this a week. A little bit, Dave. A little, little bit. A little bit. Uh, but you know, we already got the feedback from uh, the Colonel's Corner, as he calls God. it. Uh, you know, our super I love, fan. I love that Jack's creating his own se- uh, segment now. I know. We have to bring him in. You, Smart man. We're gonna bring in uh, Jack for like little ten seconds segments. He'll have to send me a little audio clip, like. Uh, Colonel's Corner here. It was good. It was good. Uh, it's good. <laughs> uh, so it got some good feedback on that one. But make sure, give us the feedback. I know a lot of people listening probably don't even know that that episode dropped. Uh, you yeah. know, we're, we're probably dropping this episode Friday, Saturday, whenever we can get that one in. Uh, but, you know, we're, we're looking at that. All right, Colonels, we need you to brace yourselves out there. We got some news. We got some news that uh, I don't know how well you're going to take it, guys. That's... August is uh, looking pretty busy when we look at the schedules. We we just told you we gave you 30, 30 episodes. And looking at it, Wes, this is a pretty good track record. 52 weeks in a year. You know, we're, we're still looking pretty good. I think we've only missed three, four yeah. weeks max. Not too much. I think there's professional pods. Well, we are a professional yeah, pod. We're, we're formally, formally sponsored uh, here at Don't Forget the Popcorn. Uh, looking for more I think sponsors. somebody threw me a beer for this pod before. Yeah, so, yeah, there we go. There, there we go. It. Yeah, it works. It works. <laughs> uh, and, you know, we, we, we're we taking August off. All right? We're, we're sorry. It's going to be your chance to catch up. Uh, we'll still put those posts. Some salt in the air, David. Just uh, discharge it coming it from is. my eyes. It is. It's the, the little bit of salt. The, the, <laughs> it's salty scenes right, right here happening in the basement. But the schedules are tough. I've obviously got the new gig. Uh, you know, we, we haven't even had the chance to lay out the rest. But quite honestly... Summer movie season's pretty much yeah. come down to a close. We got Hobbs and Shaw. You got that yep. Guillermo del Toro movie, but for the most part, I just was looking at our summer movie uh, list yeah. that we you know kind of kicked the summer off of. And you're right, my last one that I had on there was Hobbs and Shaw. That's coming out Friday. Yeah. So yep. I mean, as far as that, listen, the Guillermo, uh, the del Toro yeah. movie that's coming out after that. 
And then we're kind of, that's it for the summer. Pretty much. Yeah, I know the angel has fallen. That'll be Uh, fine. G. Butler. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I I don't know how they made a second one, let alone a third one. Did you like the, did you like Olympus has fallen. I was going to say, yeah. London has fallen. I think I only watched like the first 20 minutes. I think I was on a plane maybe when I was watching it, but, uh. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'll give it a rewatch. But I really like Olympus is Fallen. Yeah, it's just one of those like senseless action movies that you kind of dig. The brainless like, ones, like, yeah. yeah like, a, like a True Lies, a Racer. Oh, whoa, I'm whoa. Gonna, I'm going to really go to bat for getting those on a bucket list at some point in time. I am a huge true, fan. True Lies. I don't I You don't, don't want to put them in the, in the same no, category as that? Close. Okay, good. Just, Jimmy Cameron is <laughs> the director of True Lies. That's one of your best directors out there. I don't know. Oh, Tom so, Arnold. A, a side debate. <laughs> yeah, Tom Arnold's yeah, great in that movie. Jamie Lee Curtis. I will. I'm a stand <laughs> for uh, True Lies. I will go. All right, to good. We're on yeah. the same page there, buddy. Ooh, I think we just made our first pod back uh, when we get back in uh, September. Maybe. Don't <laughs> Maybe. hold us to yeah. that. We got a lot to talk about. We got a lot to figure out. So. Sorry, Colonels out there. We're, we're sorry we're going to take a, a month off here. Just too many uh, events going on. It's too hard to line up the schedules. But we promise it's just, it, it's not, it's not goodbye. It's just so long uh, for a little Had bit. to go see about a girl. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> Check out that episode uh, a little bit earlier in the canon. I think that's like episode seven or eight, yeah, yeah. the Goodwill Hunting Bucket List. But we will be back, I'm thinking, with some new segments, some new movies, who knows? Maybe even some new guests. Right. Uh, you know, it's, it'll be. You know, we're gonna get some of our buddies back in. Pete Remington is chomping at the bit. Oh, we got to beat I him bet. off with a stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the the, the <laughs> I see. We didn't give him the appropriate Leota warning for that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I said beat him off with a stick. That's they knew point. it was coming. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I think we'll get Pete Remington back in. He's chomping at the bit to to get back here. So lots of good stuff. It'll give us a chance to plan. We appreciate all the support. Like Heck honestly. Yeah. I, I feel like there's a, a part of us that probably do this if only just a couple people listened and whatever it was, because I'm having a blast just talking movies with you anyways. Like, what? We just pre-potted about an hour yeah, talking about nothing easily. here. And uh, I, I just, I'm having a blast. And it's it's the support. It's the people. It's it's the Bergmans. It's the Leonards. It's the Ruthruffs. It's, you know, some of our big fans that Pot are there. of the people here. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> You know, even, you know, our buddy Kevin Mahalik gives great feedback. Yeah. Cliff Liebold gave us some great feedback. I mean, you can go down the list of all of our friends, family, and then even people that, like, I don't even yeah. really know that well. Like, I, I think I shouted him out before. Anthony Hammy that I haven't really Hambone. talked to much nice. since uh, high school. He sends a message. So... It doesn't fall on deaf ears. That's why we love giving you guys the shout out. We know where you know our popcorn's buttered here, uh, oh, and know that oh, you guys nice uh, have our backs. And you know it's a lot of fun. And, and the fact that I think we're past the courtesy stage where people give you the courtesy yeah. listen one or two. So we know that you guys are listening, and we we hope that you enjoy it. We enjoy doing it. So we'll be back. I think September fifth is what we're eyeing up. Maybe a day before, a day after. We'll figure something out in that area. But after Labor Day. Then who? Then it's my favorite season yep. of movies, Oscar season. Baby. Oscar season. Oscar the season. Will be cooking. So, speaking of Oscar season, who better to bring on? We teased it on the last pod. I mean, this is. I, I just I can't get over this. Like this is. It's just a random. Took a shot in the dark. You know, we we got Adnan Vert coming back on. You're about to hear the interview that I, I recorded earlier today, and it's it's so crazy to me that I mean yeah. this is a guy that. I mean, he has over a hundred thousand followers on 
on Twitter. You know, started up a, a movie podcast. You know, worked at ESPN for a while. He's changed over to MLB Network and DAZN. And I mean, it's like he takes out the time to yeah sit down with two I mean, former man, assistant right? managers. The man's going on MLB now. Then he's going on his former show. And you got yeah. you got to really appreciate the fact that he times to, that he makes time to you know give us a call, give us. You know, give us a little bit of his time. Well, that, I mean, he's got so little of, really. I, I remember back when he was working at ESPN and he was like co hosting Mike and Mike. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I really liked him because he's talking movies. Yeah. And he was one of, like, because whenever I joined Twitter and end up seeing him retweeted every so often by probably Green Greeny yep. and Golick or whatever it was, I'm like, oh, he's got some good tweets and then the movie tweets. So then I started following him on there. And I was always shocked that he was like the big celebrity that actually responded back to my tweets yeah. and like it, it got consistent of like like man this is awesome like i'm sitting here talking you know yeah, wh- whatever movie just whatever, came out yeah. you know on twitter and giving it the maple leaf rating yeah, yeah i love that and then you know <laughs> took the shot in the dark uh i think it was one of our uh, i think it was our eighth episode where he joined yep. us for our, the oscar preview show to kind of break down the oscars and talk about that and was gracious enough to do that and reached out to him again because he's got i think my favorite movie podcast other than ours yeah uh the cinephile the edmund burke movie podcast you can find it anywhere it's on the cadence 13 networks as you're about to hear uh in the interview but just it's a great podcast it's a it's a little shorter than ours it's he keeps it to a a nice 45 but he's so he's solo here Uh, he's got his producer joe now (laughs) that he gets to talk to but it's uh we we don't we don't have brevity in our language you know in, in looking at that but uh can't thank him enough, and it, it was a lot of fun getting to talk. Uh, we, we got to talk a little bit about Bobby De Niro. We got to talk a little bit about Quentin Tarantino, mm-hmm. uh, and, and it's uh, – let's take a listen. I can't wait. We are absolutely thrilled to welcome back for the second time on to Don't Forget the Popcorn, the host of Cinephile, the Adnan Verk movie podcast, which is now on Cadence 13 Podcasting Network. You can find it anywhere that podcast can be found. Uh, it's a personal favorite of Don't Forget the Popcorn and yours truly, Dave McPeak. We absolutely love the podcast. Uh, now is host of a great new show on DAZN called The Change Up. Uh, he co-hosts that with the, uh, the quiz master himself hq former host scott rogowski that's weekday 7 to 10 monday through friday we are joined by none other than mr adnan verk adnan how you doing i'm doing great how you doing man uh doing phenomenal Uh, it's been a busy summer especially movie wise uh i I just want your overall feeling how how do you feel about this uh summer movie slate have you been disappointed have you uh had some good surprises what 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 have you felt about this summer movie season all 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 over uh, overall, I would say it's disappointing. I mean, generally, summer movies. I mean, I think back in the day, there were some real good tent poles, and you know, major movies that would come out in the summer you get excited about. Now, there's just so many sequels and retreads. Yeah. Some of the stuff is recycled. I just get tired of it. Having said that, there are still some good uh, big budget blockbusters. I thought Spider Man Far From Home was an entertaining film. I did like uh, Avengers Endgame. thought they tied all the loose ends together. Um, but a couple of the movies that I really love, the indies, of course, Last Black Man in San Francisco is one of my favorite movies of the year from Joe Talbot, who I uh, had on Cinephile, the director. And Midsommar, I think, was a fantastic movie from Ari Aster, a disturbing horror film and also demented and darkly funny. So there's, there's a handful of movies that I have really enjoyed. 
I have heard a couple of things about Midsommar, obviously, on, on your podcast and others as well, and, and heard from some friends that uh, I think one of the, one of the co- comments I saw is, what the heck did I just watch? Uh, and, <laughs> you know, just very intriguing. But he did Hereditary as well, uh, so you kind of know what you're getting into with Ari Aster with some of that. But I always find it so interesting with that summer movie slate, how when you see them all uh, at the beginning of May and you just get so excited and you think it's going to be such a great summer of movies and and it's just I always feel a little let down I feel like every summer because of exactly what you said that sequel fatigue and and everything that's there but there's always that one rare gem I think back to District 9 a couple years ago that always came out in the summer and and I mean it's just there's always that gem so that's good to hear that uh, Midsommar is kind of that that diamond in the rough for this this year's summer slate now, one of the big ones I know you were looking forward to this summer uh, was Quentin Tarantino uh, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Uh, you just reviewed it on your podcast, which dropped this morning. Um, our podcast is going to drop a little bit later uh, this week. So for the full review, make sure to check out and subscribe to the Cinephile Adnan Verk Movie Podcast. But uh, just give us a, a brief uh, thoughts of what you thought about the movie and if it lived up to the hype. Well, honestly, Dave, I love Tarantino. He's one of my favorite filmmakers. We all know how smart he is. And along with, uh, you know, Martin Scorsese, my favorite filmmaker, the, both those guys are similar in that. They just, they love movies so much. And the best thing about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is clearly made by a guy who loves movies. He's really making a love letter to movies uh, that he loved growing up and a Hollywood that he distinctly remembers, which is set in the late 60s and then the 70s. So, on that alone, I can appreciate the level of production design and uh, authenticity which Tarantino's recreating with his film. I mean, the movie costs $90 million, so clearly uh, he's spending a lot, not only on the budget of the stars, but also recreating that world. I did think his casting is excellent, as always. Brad Pitt in particular, I really enjoyed his Cliff, the stunt double. Uh, DiCaprio always strong as Rick, the star. I was hoping for a little more from Margot Robbie. thought the role was a little underwritten. I think the way that Tarantino envisioned it was that you know, she's objectified. Obviously, she's beautiful, uh, but I would have liked more depth to her character because she's such a good actress, and I loved her in I, Tanya, and the previous guest as well, instead of file. Plus, my favorite actor, Al Pacino, is in the movie, but it's a glorified cameo. Al just shows up for a couple of scenes playing Leo's age. I would have liked a lot more of that. But ultimately, I liked it, but I didn't love it. You know, I, I fully expected, Dave, this would be my favorite movie of the year. So I walked down and said, all right, like, I enjoyed it. It was, it was breezy fun, uh, definitely like a summer ride. I, I pictured myself afterwards, as I was walking around thinking about the film, just the shots of Brad Pitt driving the car, and he's, you know, got that Brad Pitt cool look, and it's a cool movie, and it feels cool, but I just thought it was uneven pacing. I mean, it's just two hours and 40 minutes is way too damn long. I mean, it, <laughs> these directors sometimes, well, once they get, um, you know, once they become powerful, of course, they get final cut. They can do whatever the hell they want. I just wish they'd hire an editor and say, you know what, man? You can cut a solid 30 minutes out of this movie, and you're really missing not much. Like, you're still getting the essence of the movie. And uh, I see some people say, no, but it, it, it's a long movie, but it has to feel that way. I'm like, I, I disagree. Mitch Tamar is a long movie. That's two hours and 25 minutes, but I loved it. I wish it was three hours. I mean, I thought, I appreciate the pace of the movie because I really thought what Ari Aster was doing was, was setting up the horror beautifully. Whereas in this case, I thought at times Tarantino was being self-indulgent. Having said that, I did love the final 30 minutes of the movie. That's worth the price of admission. Um, I was worried when I first heard about it because I said, man... Manson murders, you know, such a gruesome period, and, and Tarantino with his taste for violence and depicting on screen this could be exploitive or gruesome. Like, not sure I'm down with that, but now having seen it, I totally get what he was going for and uh, appreciate the skill with which he he mastered it. So I always like more films from Tarantino, and I think afterwards the greatest compliment to him is I can't wait to see it again. You know, some movies when you're underwhelmed, you say, all right, well, it wasn't for me. 
I'm involved with him. Like, okay, I did totally get it, but he's such a great filmmaker. Maybe I just have to watch it again and, and appreciate it on the small screen. And uh, in some ways, I think it is a companion piece of Jackie Brown, a movie that was also mm-hmm. felt underwhelming coming off of Pulp Fiction. It was also very long, um, but I think it's a really good movie, especially when I saw it again. I was able to appreciate the subtlety and the poignance of the actors and what QT was trying to accomplish. It's really interesting that you make that point because Wes and I talked about that just last night. Um, you know, we, we ranked our top five Tarantino movies, and I talked about really the only miss for me, or maybe the one that I had down was Jackie Brown, but I've only seen it once, and I just watched it. Uh, the, we did a New Year's resolution segment where we had to watch movies that it was shocking that we never got around to watching. Uh, and, you know, I'm a huge Tarantino guy, just like you, and I never saw Jackie Brown. Uh, and for me, it was kind of that, it was a little underwhelming. Uh, but I, it's one of Wes's favorites because he's seen it a bunch of times. So it will be interesting to see if this movie just kind of picks up some steam after subsequent viewings. But one thing that I'm really curious about when I was listening to your pod this morning, uh, one of the staple Tarantino trademarks on every single film is the attention to detail that he puts into the soundtrack. How was the soundtrack on this movie? I, I didn't really hear much on that. So was it was it still Tarantino-esque or was it, you know, was it maybe not as big as other films that we've seen? Not as big as other films we've seen. You know, I was watching Reservoir Dogs again the other day and just the music of that is unbelievable. Like, you still think about <laughs> Stuck in the Middle with You yeah. and uh, Hooked on a Feeling and I go, God, what a great soundtrack right out of the gate. So there's a couple songs I liked, but again, you know, with Tarantino, you always think music and dialogue. You're going to walk out going, I can't wait to download that, yes. download that song, or how funny was that exchange. I didn't really have that in that movie. So that, that's why I was like, you know what, didn't have as much of his trademark classic memorable dialogue. And the music was good. It was enjoyable in terms of it was fitting the music, but I don't have to, to rush out to hear the music right now, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. So on our podcast, uh, there's two of us, so we get to go kind of back and forth. And I know you got your producer, Joe, uh, that you're able to bounce things off of. But on, on your podcast, you do the Mount Rushmore uh, of different topics. So you go a top four. We do a top five. Um, I, I want people to tune into yours. But what, what are your top two, uh, perhaps? Or if you're willing to share the full Mount Rushmore, what is that uh, Tarantino? What, what do you look at as the best of his uh, oeuvre, if you will? Yeah, good use of oeuvre. Dave. I know <laughs> Thank you. Principles, you can appreciate good verb use. Um, you know, honestly, for me, Pulp Fiction is a classic film. Obviously, changed movies in many ways. And again, it's a, a movie by a guy who loves movies, and um, I think it will stand the test of time. Reservoir Dogs, I mentioned, I love because the dialogue in mean, the first ten minutes is so funny. Um, from Madonna in terms of you know, talking about like a virgin to Shemi explaining why don't tip, um, it's still really funny and still has a real classic feel to it. Those two are easy for me. And then I would go with Glorious Bastards and Django and Chain. Like, again, just two films of revisionist history. Christoph Waltz just walks away with Glorious Bastards. It's got so many memorable scenes of dialogue, particularly that opening sequence. But Brad Pitt's really great. And then Django and Chain, again, great casting. Not only Waltz, but DiCaprio's fantastic. First time teaming up with Tarantino, Jimmy Fox, and the revenge fantasy of. Uh, a slave getting uh, what he deserves in terms of just getting the blood of the slave owner and getting his girl back. So I think both those movies just have a lot of energy to them, a lot of passion. Uh, but I do like Hateful Eight. I like Kill Bill Volume 2 more than I like Kill Bill Volume 1. Uh, I do think there's other movies in the mix, of course, that he's made. Four Rooms, obviously, Disaster. That's what we're not including. <laughs> yes, um, yeah. I said the same thing. Yeah, I think that's the easiest one. You go, which one's not on the list? You know, Four Rooms is definitely nothing. Nothing to phone home about. And, yeah. Um, I wasn't crazy, but uh, with a death proof either. 
but uh, obviously a great filmmaker. So for me, the four are relatively easy. I wish The Hateful Eight got more love. My producer Joe liked it a lot, so glad he put it on his film. Yeah. We uh, we cheated a little bit on ours. We allowed uh, films that he wrote because Wes really wanted to get True Romance into the mix. So uh, oh, yeah. I think just for the scene of walking in Hopper uh, alone, that was uh, that made his top top oh, five. Just one of the of that. one of the best scenes ever, man. I've probably seen that. I, I can't even tell you how many times I've seen it. It's so well done. That whole the dialogue, two great actors circling around each other is oh, perfect. It, I could not agree more. Um, so on last week's podcast, one of the things that we do on our pods is. Uh, you know we're, we're popcorn themed. That's our we're called. Don't forget the popcorn. So we call it our bucket list movies, uh, and we kind of do a deep dive into just some of our favorite movies from either growing up or whatever it would be. So we did uh, meet the parents last week, and I think I so jealous and envious of the fact that uh, you got to you know interview one of your uh, film heroes uh, in Robert De Niro, and you know what what was that like? You know to to kind of go toe-to-toe with, I mean, somebody that is thought of as probably this generation's greatest actor, minus Dirty Grandpa. Uh, and, you know, you, you look at some of those things. What was that like for you to, you know, be able to interview Robert De Niro? You know, I still get chills thinking about it, Dave. As you mentioned, he's my favorite filmmaker and, um, or for, for an actor, excuse me, you know, him and Pacino, I mean, it's just like they're idols. Like, I grew up just admiring these guys so deeply. So, when we found out that he was actually coming to promote that boxing film, Hands of Stone, I mean, I was the events around it might be even crazier than the interview because I was at the Little League World Series of Williamsport. So I, I was remember. Like, oh my God, I got I to figure out a way to get there. And thankfully, De Niro was coming on the Monday, so I was able to make it work. I had to work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then I had to work Monday night. And I said, I'll just drive back and forth. And uh, I had my wife, who was pregnant at the time, and then two of our boys with me. But of course, she loves De Niro as much as I do. She's not missing this afternoon for the world. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Sunday night in Williamsport, we finished the show at 8 p.m. and then loaded the boys up and drove back to four and a half hours to get oh. back got back 12 30 a.m you sleep you don't really sleep you wake up at like seven and then the sitter's supposed to come sitter didn't come like oh my god then it dropped the other two boys off the neighbors and then raced to work with my wife and then uh try to think what the hell i was going to ask him because there's so much to ask and of course you have 15 minutes but i remember that moment when he when he turned the corner, you see him. You almost feel like it's a birthday party. You're like, oh my god, hi, hi, like a surprise party. Like, there he is. Um, <laughs> but he, when he walked in, I mean, like he's just got such presence to him. But he couldn't have been more disarming. That's the biggest takeaway that I have. Was just that he walked in, big smile, hand outstretched, and I'm like, oh my god, like he's he could be um, such a figure of intimidation, but yeah. in fact, he's uh, so kind and uh, very avuncular was the way I described him. You know, he's like an uncle. I was like, oh, it's Robert De Niro. Had the beard and uh, couldn't have been friendly. He walked in, just small entourage. I like, had uh, two people with him. Yeah, one of them I think was his manager, and uh, I just said, how's it going? I said, this is just an interview I'm doing to podcast. I said, all right. And he said, no TV? And I said, no. So I think that helps him. I don't think, you know, he's naturally sure. shy. So I said, no, it's just podcast. just you and me talking. He's like, all right. And I, I did have a camera set up just recording, but I don't even think we, we recorded anything. Maybe we did. I can't remember now, but I think it was just me and Bob talking. And uh, so I think that helped the fact that he was at ease, and uh, he clearly knew I was an Uber fan. I mean, I had a Tribeca Film Festival shirt on. I had a little doll at Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver. <laughs> I showed him a Main Street picker. So I, I think definitely he walked out there and was like, all right, Jesus, this guy's definitely a huge fan. Like, I got that much out of it. Uh, but the coolest part of it was when I was asking about a taxi driver, I said, you know, um, I was born in Toronto. My parents are from Pakistan. You know, I don't have any uh, connection to New York City. Yet that film, which is about a cab driver, who's in New York City, set in the 1970s, has a real personal connection to me. Um, you know, that's an amazing trick that you guys are able to do, you and Marty and Paul Schrader, to make that film so relatable, blah, 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 blah. So the interview ends, and then De Niro says, Pakistan? 
I said, yeah, that's where I approached you from. I've never been. And he's like, oh, you know, I read this great article. And I think that it hit me that I'm like, oh, my God, I'm talking to Robert De Niro. Like, the interview's over. I'm like, oh, okay. It's almost like an out-of-body experience. I'm like, wait, wait. Like, I realized not sure what he was saying. I didn't know if he was shooting in Pakistan. I'm like, wait, what? He's like, oh, I read this article, Hindu Kush. He's like, it's really good. It's about the strike. Goes, you, know, you should read it. You should definitely check it out. And he said, if you have any trouble, you know, reading it, you know, let me know. And I'm like, oh, my God, yeah, sure, Bob. Here's my cell phone. We'll become texting buddies. No problem. <laughs> Just forward it to me. Uh, but he walks out. And then, of course, he had to drive back to Williamsport, back to my day job, which he was actually paying before. So I uh, immediately grabbed my wife and uh, dropped her off. And the kids picked her up from the center. And I drive four and a half hours back to Williamsport to do my job that night. And uh, I emailed uh, Katie on the way, our town booker. So just so insecure. I was like, hey, listen, I know you did first take, Stephen A. And he did sports center like was i okay and she's like yeah no i think you were great she's i think they definitely liked you because he goes at the end of the interview he did talk to you and the other people like yeah i just said goodbye and went to the next thing uh so i said okay that's a good sign and then i got an email it just said from rdn's office and i said there can only be only one rdn of course it's robert Niro. and then the email just read hey um bob really enjoyed talking to you here's that article he was talking about and i said oh my god it's unbelievable like it's the, the, the time he took, literally, just to walk out there, hey, what was that guy's name? Find his email address, find that article, send it to him. He's going to like that. I mean, that that just blows me away that he um, he just cared that much to send it to me and just show that what a classy guy he is. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's such an awesome story. I remember you telling that with the Little League World Series and, and just everything that had to go into that. But you know what? I, I think it's karma because uh, you're a great guy that you know takes a chance on some – random school teacher in Michigan to come on our podcast and, and do that. So I think uh, what comes around goes around because uh, obviously, you know, you're, you're really kind with your time with us. And uh, speaking of that, I got one last question for you here. Uh, you know, movies to look for in the fall. What are you looking forward to and what's on your radar for us to, you know, really get excited about this fall coming up? Well, of course, you know, nothing more exciting than the Irishman. And uh, they just released the teaser trip, which I was watching prior to, doing this interview and i'll be watching it about ten thousand times today it looks <laughs> incredible uh it's from my favorite filmmaker oh, Martin Scorsese, reuniting with de niro for the ninth time first time ever al pacino and Scorsese together joe pesci lured out of retirement you've also got harvey Keitel, a classic marty uh cast member it's a murderer's rally oh my god dude it's like the greatest film ever you're right it's the 27 yankees for me uh, so on my birthday which was monday i saw that they posted the link it's going to open the new york film festival which is September 27th, and I could not go fast enough to click the link. So what they're doing is, you know, you can get a pass for, like, I don't know, a bunch of movies, $1,300. You can do other passes. For opening night, they said you can opening a pass for $450 and then tickets to 10 other movies. Or you can just wait till September 8th, the individual tickets. It's the lesson. I cannot take the risk, obviously, of waiting for individual tickets. So <laughs> I bought the $450 pass. So I, I wish it was for two. Obviously, I want to take my wife. Again, she loves these guys as much as I do. So I'll see if I can scratch another ticket. Maybe they're scalping them right now as I speak. But yeah, four and fifty bucks, but I'll be there for the Irishman opening night, September twenty seventh, New York Film Festival. Hopefully Marty and Bob and Al and Pesci and them all show up. But no matter what, oh, I just cannot wait to see the movie, which will be on Netflix and hopefully I have time to see ten other movies so I don't that'll happen. Um but yeah man, it's uh, based on a book called The Heard You Paint Houses. As soon as I heard Marty was doing it, I read the book. It's a great book. It's uh, based on the remembrances of Frank Sheehan who was a mobster and his relationship with Jimmy Hoffa. And as I was reading the book, you know, De Niro Sheehan is a little bit interesting because the, the big thing in the story he kept reading is how big he is. He was just tall and overpowering. And again, De Niro's my height. You know, he's 5'8", maybe 5'9". But I did give him lifts, obviously, in the movie, so they're going to make him look older. And it's very expensive. The movie's $165 million because they had to use a very expensive uh, 
process called de-aging and they're going to make De Niro Pacino look a lot younger because the story goes from you know 30 until they're 70 so that's why it cost Netflix much money originally Paramount was going to do it I believe maybe it was Warner Brothers but they balked at the price Marty had it at 90 million maybe 100 million and then once they got to 100 million they said no so quickly his manager and company turned it around to Netflix and said yeah we'll give him whatever he wants final cut sure so 165 million dollars later Netflix has a Martin Scorsese movie coming out and of course Marty Loves movies as much as anybody loves the big screen. So he kept saying, listen, I want to make sure the movie is in theater. So I, I, I haven't heard the latest, but I believe they're going to figure out a way to get it at least in major cities for a week, maybe two weeks. And then, of course, it's going to be on Netflix everywhere, which is their business model. They want it being able to be in their homes and streamed everywhere. So I think they'll, they'll come to a resolution there. But no matter what, New York Film Festival is debuting it that opening night. So, dude, I, I cannot wait to see it. I'm over the moon. Oh. Uh, while reading it, like I said, De Niro is Sheen. I was like, mm, okay, my, you know, obviously Bob's a great actor. I look forward to it. But Pacino as Jimmy Hoffa left off the page. As I was reading it, I said, oh, my God, this is such a home run. Reading the way Hoffa is depicted, I mean, I, I hope Al wins another Oscar because it sounds like he's perfect for the role. Yeah, I, I grew up with a lot of uh, knowing about Jimmy Hoffa and hearing about it because, you know, I – my my dad's a member of the Teamsters. Uh, you know, I was a member of the Teamsters when I when I worked for a little bit. So it's definitely one that I'm excited about. Uh, and anytime you get that cast of characters uh, and you know a, a master work from Scorsese, uh, that's pretty exciting. So uh, definitely one that I think is on a lot of people's radar for this fall. Uh, you know, Mr. Verk, we cannot thank you enough for taking the time out to talk to us and to to spend some time uh, for all of our listeners. Get out there. Make sure to uh, give Adnan some love. Uh, get uh, Subscribe to Cinephile, the Adnan Verk movie podcast. Give him five stars. As he says, just subscribe. You don't even have to listen. Uh, you know, Just subscribe. And then uh, he is on the DAZN, uh, the Change Up, weeknights, uh, 7 to 10 with Scott Rogowski. And, man, is that a lot of fun to watch you guys ham it up every night. And you get some good movie references in there. If you guys can drop Sidney Lumet in an MLB, uh, you know, that's pretty darn good stuff. So thank you. He, he's got rags, rags, is, rags is high film acumen. You know, Denelson Lamette pitches for the Padres. Immediately we just start making Sidney Lamette references. So you're right. I appreciate those who are uh, watching the clips on Twitter and watching his own. My favorite principal, aside from Jim Belushi, Dave McPeak. That's, oh, that's the you have. You're, you're too kind. You're too kind. Uh, thanks again, Andan, and uh, you know, good luck with everything, and, and can't wait to have you on in the future. Thanks, Dave. Be well, buddy. And there you have it. And there you have it. Uh, I, I mean, love it. It was, it was, it's, it's still surreal. Like, yeah. cause I listened to him on the podcast and then I listened, you know, see his, you know, show with Scott Rogowski that you heard about yep. the change up on the zone. And it's just, it's crazy to me to like actually sit and it's like, I'm talking to the podcast. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> so huge, huge shout oh, out. Man. To Big Adnan. thank you to Adnan. I really appreciate that. No, I said it in the interview, but make sure to give his podcast a yep. listen. Uh, Cinephile, the Adnan Verk movie podcast. Uh, you find it on anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, and I really like his show on DAZN. Uh, you know, I've been able to watch it. Follow that on Twitter too. It's basically red zone for baseball. Like, you know, oh, we talked about so. It's really cool. So thank you so much, Adnan. Really appreciate you coming back on. Let's transition. Oh, yeah. uh, we, we already looked at it. You kind of heard me talk about it a little bit in the interview. Uh, but clearly, you know, Adnan talking about Once Upon a Time in, yep. in Hollywood. Uh, I wanted to do the Tarantino Top 5. I think it was time. Uh, and with, it being, granted, with it Once Upon a Time in Hollywood coming out this Friday, I thought perfect time for it too, Davey. Well, and... 
You got a chance to see it, right? Yeah, snuck a quick viewing in today before the pod. And as a good listener of ours, Mike Peters said, man, I I really enjoyed that movie. He's right, you know, to uh, just just uh, just short of three hours. So it's a long one. You didn't re- I didn't realize it in the theater. I thought it flowed beautifully. Hits all the Tarantino notes that you want. Yeah, Great soundtrack. Nice. Great dialogue. Great camera work. And then, I mean, tell me this. These might be two season ticket holders for me. Wouldn't DiCaprio and Brad yes. Pitt? Oh, 100%. I, I mean, eh. to see them working... Brad you know, Pitt's like a 75%er for me. But it, yes, I agree. Hot take. I thought he was the better of the two in this. Hot hotter take uh i'm hearing a lot of oscar buzz yeah i'm hearing a lot of oscar buzz i think he he's a shoe-in really for what good I hear, in this movie a shoe-in for a supporting actor so yeah it's uh a sop boy i i really i i, I wanted to go three five i'm gonna stick with a solid three buckets oh. arrow pointing north i mean it's i loved it what i really did not love go it. the three five. Oh, i'm not really Too long? sure it's it had a lot of uh a lot of filler scenes, just you know, a couple sure. of things that just tracked on too long, and you're it's like, always "All a right, you know, where, you know, yeah. where, where are we going here?" A couple of things could have been cut, but you know, I have a hard time even saying that because For that's sure. a staple of Tarantino. Yeah, you know what you're getting, but it just, I don't want, I didn't want to go the three, the full three five because of the the movies that I put in front of it. I got you. Are no, right for there. sure. Because so, then you have to justify. Yeah, you yep. come in four buckets, and then it doesn't even make a top five, perhaps. Exactly. And so easy, easy three, and maybe it's one of those after you watch it yeah. a couple more oh, times, you stole too, it. which is even better with the Tarantinos. Yep. Yes, you stole right from me. I was just going to say that. It'll rise, and I think that's uh, we kind of talked about this off pod. I think that might be my problem with Hateful Eight right now. Yeah, is just it's I haven't had a chance to get a good watch in. Yep. And I, you need those multiple watches on on Tarantino. It is interesting. I think. It's really interesting. I I could not agree more. I I feel like every Tarantino movie I've seen, I've liked more with each yeah. subsequent viewing. And I don't know what it is. Like I, I, there's been a few movies I think we've talked about as good as it gets. We've talked about yep. other movies that I like. But I mean, some of these movies I liked more. Even now that I've been older, like it's not like it's a young Dave. It's not like the old ten year old yeah, Dave McPeak right? watching Pulp Fiction. I, that was one I wasn't allowed to watch. I was, uh, I, I don't well, think I, I was allowed imagine. to watch. It had like a record number of f bombs. I feel like in there, so there was a lot. There was a lot. And uh, the, what I do remember about Pulp Fiction though is my my dad getting the soundtrack. So having the uh, cassette tape the dance scene that we're about to see right I know, here, it's right in the background in the MPNS right. e Studios, <laughs> but having all of those great soundtrack songs and and just yes. everything, but listening to that, you know, giving me a son of a preacher man, you, mm-hmm. you get uh, all the the great songs, and that's the staple. And I think we'll talk about all those staples, but I I want to say it because when I laid out all out our you know super fans and super listeners, I was only thinking of Facebook, and I can't believe I forgot about Twitter and. Didn't you give Mike Peters a mention? But I mean, I think we bring him up every. Oh uh, yeah, Iron every Mike pod. Peters, hard not to. We made sure on the Meet the Parents pod to go yeah. to the exact <laughs> mowing specification time of the hour yeah. twenty nine minutes. Uh, you know, to make sure that the the, the mower turns off, the pod turns off. But Mike Peters has been a, a great supporter, great fan uh, all the way through. Because I mean, he gives a shout out. Uh, yeah. You know, pretty much all the time. So uh, it, it's a lot of fun interacting on there. So. Let's get to the Tarantino top five. Uh, I'm very interested because what we did, let's give the ground rules here. The Tarantino has directed nine feature-length films. Yep. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, is his, but he's also wrote a couple films. 
There's been a couple of small parts. We talked about Four Rooms before. He directed a segment of that movie. He directed part of Grindhouse, which was Death Proof. I mean, that's an hour and a half like movie, a part of that. Oh, Death yeah. Death Proof? Okay. Well, no, the second half of Grindhouse. So Grindhouse was Planet Terror, which oh, was Robert right. Rodriguez, yep. which was an hour and a half. And then it was another hour and a half. Like, it was a double feature. That's okay. what they wanted with Grindhouse was a double feature feel to it. Yep. Uh, so, like, that was the second part. But that wasn't Tarantino's movie per se. So that's why it, it doesn't count as one yep. of his nine. But for the purposes of this, we're throwing that in there. Yeah. Same with the writing, writing. Yep. Um, and, and looking at all of those different parts. So Writing just specific screenplay, right? Correct. Because there was one of, what was it, Natural War Killers we were talking he was about. the story he was behind the, it. Yep, he had, the, yep. uh, he had the kind of the bones of the Correct. idea, not the full screenplay. Yep. Gotcha. So just going screenplay, but boy, you really hit it. When you look at the Tarantino movie, I always think the two things that always stand out that you're always going to get, one, dialogue. Amazing scenes of dialogue that seem like throwaways. And I know we're going to get into some of these, but I think of Reservoir Dogs where they talk about the tipping. Mm-hmm. I think of Pulp Fiction where it's the Royale with cheese, yep. just in the car. Uh, there's just these great scenes of dialogue, but like they're not, I don't know, they're not crazy. There's not anything, well, but they're just so relatable maybe. It's or, that, and what I love about this, and I'm again, I'm glad you brought it up, is it's like that day-to-day dialogue. Yeah. Like It's just yeah. that friend, it's that banter that that almost re- helps you relate to that character a little bit more. Like you're hearing Vincent Vega and, uh, you know, and, and Sam Jackson talk about the Royale with cheese yes. and his, you know, trip over to, you know, the man, Vincent Vega, the man from Amsterdam, you know, you <laughs> hear it about what that. They, what the, what the they put on fries can, over in Holland? Yeah, right. Man, they drench the stuff with that. You know, man. <laughs> but uh, so it gives you like just that little scene right there. Yeah. Boom. It gave you, Three years of Vincent Vega backstory, because all yep. right, now you know he went to Amsterdam for three oh, years. You know call. he, you know Royale with cheese, and then you can kind of you feel a little bit more connected with these characters. And I think that's what that that little how people think. Ah, this dialogue doesn't have anything to do with the storyline. Maybe, mm-hmm. but also it just it pulls you into the character so much more. And I think that's maybe you hit it right there. Is that's your subsequent viewings? Yeah, you watch it more you kind of know what's going to happen. So then you can really hone in on the dialogue and pay attention to that. You look at the camera work and the way he pans the things, I some of the close-ups, the some work. of the different things. That was one of the things I wrote down here was the camera shots. A lot of tracking yeah. shots. And I know yes. you noticed that famously the in the, uh, the Goodfellas, uh, you know, Ray Liotta yeah. through the, oh, the yeah. restaurant. Boy, there is a lot of tracking shots he, he uses in his films. I mean, there's in uh, Pulp Fiction constantly. Oh, yeah. And I also noticed like these... Uh, like these distant camera shots, yep. so the camera will be held in one area. It'll be a you know it'll be a close up on them. The characters will continue on, and they'll hold that car- They'll hold yeah. that camera right there, and so you'll get that like it just has I that. Think sense Jackie of- Brown. Jackie yes. Brown's the perfect example of that of where they go into that yard. Uh, Chris Tucker, then yep. then comes right yep. back out, exactly. and the camera stays stationary. And it's little things like that that make him, I think, such a a popular actor, and it's such a shock. That like he still has not won that Oscar then. I know that is crazy. And is I mean really he's been there, and that's why, <laughs> you know, I think of Adnan talking about it on previous pods. Uh, like that's why he hates Forrest Gump so much, because Forrest Gump should have. Is this the Pulp Fiction Pulp one? Fiction year? Yeah. So he feels like that should have been Tarantino winning for that. Oh, I can see Pulp that then. Fiction winning yeah. because. I love Forrest Gump. We know you get your oh, weekly yeah. Gump in. Yep. Uh, and so I, I I really enjoy the movie. I, I love it for what it is and just the history aspects. But man, Pulp Fiction is just a 
I mean, a genre-changing movie yeah. with the time, yep. the way they use the time and the dialogue. And I mean, this they, was... Uh, I think it was like non-linear plot yes. lines. Is that what yes. it is? So it's Look jumping, it's wow. jumping around from film school this week. That's fantastic. But you got it. I just, I really love that, especially in uh, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I mean, they really come full circle on a lot of things. I mean, it starts with the diner scene, and then Honey Bunny. It's, yep, Honey Bunny. And then what? Wh- where's my wallet? It's the one that says Bad Mamma Jim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> To beat him off with a stick. No, you're absolutely right. So we've kind of laid the groundwork here of you know what what we really like about them. And before we get into the top five, I want to ask this one: any that you don't like, any that you think are subpar in in his uh, oeuvre, if you will. Well, and I hatefully was one that. I've tried it. Wow, that is a surprise to me. Super. I really like that one. I I feel, again, I told you this before, I just don't feel like I had a good, like I've tried to watch it too late. And I think it was an instant purchase for me. Yeah. I just, I have never made it through. It's, I don't know what it was about it. It just didn't, it didn't pull me in. It didn't catch me. And then this is going to be an odd one too. I never was a huge fan of the Kill Bills. Wow. Yeah. Really? Never was really a big fan of the Kill Bills. I've watched them. I appreciate them. But, I'm not. I didn't. I didn't purchase them. I'm not no? going to purchase them. Wow. I'm, I'm not really going to rewatch them unless there's. In fact, if there's nothing else on, I'm putting Frasier back on Netflix and uh, <sighs> a little toss salad and uh, just scrambled <laughs> eggs. <laughs> <laughs> you just slapped Uma Thurman in the face. Yeah, right? I can't believe you went. I on. know. I know. That's a tough revelation. We're in the trust tree here. You are well, always, always. Yeah, the Kill Bills for whatever reason, it never was that huge a fan, and then. I feel like later I'll enjoy Hateful Eight. I just really need hmm. to sink my teeth into it. But How many yeah. times have you seen the Kill Bills? Uh, just maybe, honestly, once. Is it the subsequent once. viewings? Do yeah. you have to get maybe another honestly, viewing? Just I'd be the interested. Once because I remember the little coffin thing where she's, you know, punching upwards to break <laughs> That's out That's phenomenal. Of it. They show the training. It's the training yeah. scene. Come on. I'd like you to go back Hard and revisit. Pass. I'd like you to see. I'd like you to test our theory because I'll tell you what. I will also test the theory because really the only Tarantino movie I didn't really vibe on that much I was my New Year's resolution movie, if you remember, was Jackie Ooh, Brown. Jackie. And I think I still gave it two and a half. Yeah. I liked it, but compared to all of his other movies, it just didn't stand up. Like, I mean, if I'm ranking all the Tarantinos, it's probably my, of, of the nine. Wow. Of just as feature films. And I haven't I mean, seen Once Upon a Time yet, but based on reviews. But I, I mean, obviously for me, there's no way I'm putting uh, Kill Bills in front of Jackie Brown. Watching the corner of 10th Street. <laughs> Big Pam Greer fan right, over here. Absolutely. Big Pam Greer fan. So let's get to it. Let's get to the top five and see if any of these movies that we've talked about make that list and see if there's any disagreements. I think there'll be differences in placement. Obviously, not yeah. a lot that we can deal with here, but I think it's going to be maybe a little bit more contentious, maybe a little bit more debate oh, yeah. here. Oh, you're uh, here the, the Kill Bill comments. Uh, let's see if it makes it on my All list. Right. Here we go. Number five. Wes, what do you got? All right, let me kick it off. And I feel like I, I petitioned for the writing to be included specifically for this it's movie. It's a great petition. I know right where you're going. I'm going True Romance yes. is my number five. Dave, I'm a huge fan of this movie. And... You know, first off, it, there's a, a litany of things you could talk about with it. But let me let me rattle off some of the cast here. Christian Slater, Patricia Arquette. It's like, ah, all right, who we got? All right, Dennis Hopper, Val Kilmer, Gary Oldman, Brad Pitt, 
Christopher Walken, Sam Jackson. You know. You, you know. I Michael Rappaport. I mean, Saul Rubinek, James Gandolfini. I had to stop there. Tom Sizemore didn't make my cut. <laughs> Tommy Size? I know. I'm a fan. But That's crazy. I dig the storyline. I love the, the Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette in this. I thought they made a great couple. And... Boy, and I mentioned this before you came here, that Christopher Walken oh, and Dennis Hopper scene. It's iconic. Just, what a tense, just 10 minutes of a scene there. And they, you know, Hopper delivers It really gives you the, uh, it gives you a lot of credence to your Walken as a Jack Burns pick yeah, from right? last week, uh, from last <laughs> pod, that's for sure. Uh, but boy, is that some really good points. Uh, I have not, I've only seen it once and it's been a little while, but I know, I, I remember really, really liking this movie yeah, a lot. It's, it's, it's one of those I've, I feel like one of those Tarantinos. I mean, obviously it's written by him, and uh, was it Tony Scott? Tony Scott. Tony Scott directed. Who? Top Gun. I mean, Tony yeah. Scott has done some incredible movies. It's. I feel like it's one of those that haven't been seen by a heck. A, a pod listener, uh, Matt Subchinsky, the Dish, sent it home with him. He returned it still in the cellophane soap. If you're listening, oh, come so... back up and pick it up, buddy, because you'll enjoy it. Another big fan. You know, speaking of big fans of the pod, is this the Grayson shout Grayson. out? That we should do shout that? out Grayson. Yeah. Maybe not true romance. No, no, don't do that. A couple years down one. the line. But... <laughs> Actually, don't watch any of these yeah, Tarantino that's a good ones. Point. Yeah, yeah, you might have to wait. As a principal in your district, I have to <laughs> say, do not watch uh, Tarantino no, movies. Principal McPeak re- recommended true romance to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I heard it on the movie that Principal McPeak suggested to watch. Uh, yikes. Uh, my number five. I had a petition for this to get in because it's not one of the feature films. I'm going Death Proof. Oh, Death okay. Proof. You talk about... So here's one thing that we didn't necessarily talk about with with Quentin Tarantino in our, our kind of our breakdown. What I love about Tarantino is he just jumps and really sinks his teeth into a certain genre. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pulp Fiction is that kind of pulp storytelling. And, and I mean, it, he gives the definition of what yeah, pulp fiction I is right at that. the beginning. Uh, and it, that's why you got the stories from all over. And it's just, it's kind of that uh, kinetic energy all over the place. And then you get Jackie Brown's kind of the drug dealer gangster. You, you get that in there. You kind of go into some other movies. You know, Inglorious Bastards is your history. Reservoir Dogs is your bank robber, your heist type movie. You know, Kill Bill is your kind of your uh, samurai almost. Your your Japanese type yeah. movie where Ooh, he's influenced point. by them. Because he worked in a video store. Yeah. I mean, are we looking at two Tarantinos here uh, that are maybe coming out? But I mean, then... You get uh, a bunch of the other films too. Of uh, what am I forgetting? The Django Unchained, where it's oh, kind of Django, your, yeah. your another history one that you're you're looking at. And I mean, it's just you go down the list. Uh, Hateful Eight is his old western. Like that's that's why he had uh, Ennio Marconi, who did win the Oscar for being the composer of Hateful no Eight. Uh, the classic spaghetti western cast score. I mean, great cast. I mean, it's you just go down that list uh, of that. That's where he sinks his teeth in. And then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he's looking at Hollywood and looking at it in the 70s and really jumping out. So it's so cool how he does that. Death Proof was his homage to the classic, like, old movies of, like, the chases. Yeah. Like, you think of one of Steven Spielberg's first movies was was Duel, uh, which was a a big car chase uh, movie. And all these other car chases. And what I loved, 
zero CGI, zero oh, no, computer no animation. No kidding. It's I had no all idea. Stunt drivers Dave bits. doing these. Oh, and it was because I loved it. Kurt Russell was in it, and Kurt Russell's just a serial killer that's killing people with his car and chasing right. down. And it, you know, he loves his reoccurring uh, cast members, it. by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and really loves he loves getting people that maybe have kind of went into the like background and really bringing them yeah. back. Like yeah, Travolta, yeah. he he saved John Travolta's yeah. career. Travolta was that. nothing uh, until Pulp Fiction and really saved it. Now he might need to get in another Tarantino. Yeah, I was gonna say movie one more did Tarantino. Like, what, didn't he just do like some NASCAR movie like? Dirt or Rubbins oh, Racing or something. Lord. I just remember seeing the cover. <laughs> Rubbins Racing? Yeah, I hope it. that's not the it's name not, of it. It's not. John Travolta, Channing did. Tatum, oh. Rubbins Racing. Hold on. I'm pretty close. I do remember what it is. It's called Trading Paint. It's called Trading Paint. Uh, oh, man. Rubbins so Racing was better. <laughs> Who would have thought? Tra- that's, this could be the first podcast that's ever brought up Trading Paint. <laughs> I Yeah. I'll, yeah. You're probably you're not going on a big well, limb anyway, there. Maybe I should talk more about Death Proof. Uh, <laughs> But the car chase scene, because essentially it's a lot of setup. It's your classic Tarantino. You get to find Kurt Russell, and it's a lot. It opens in a bar, and he's kind of picking out who the victim is going to be, and then he chases him down. And then you kind of get introduced to another person. And then that last car chase scene that goes on for seemingly thirty minutes, unreal. It is it's just like half unreal. The movie there. Yeah, I mean it's it's such a cool car chase scene the way it's set up. And who'd have thought that you could have just a car chase scene have that much tension that goes on that long? But I mean it's kind of like watching Game of Thrones with the you know the the, the dark battle that's like an hour and a half of just fighting. But you don't get bored of the fighting because it just keeps yep, changing. Just the, but the at least action is consistent. Yeah, yeah, and with this car chase scene, at least you can see what's going on uh, oh, in this a, battle and, and, and <laughs> see what's happening. So death shade at Game of Thrones there. Death proof yeah. is my number five. Uh, good. I mean. Heck of a choice, David. Have that, you seen the Grindhouse? That, yeah, that a while ago, like yeah. directly when it first came out, because I remember we pre streeted of at Family Video, and that was the only time that I've really watched them, though. That was so me and Mike another, Munger. Uh, Mike Munger went and saw that with that's me. That's another one that I want. I really want to dive back into because I I remember liking it. I love Planet Terror. But I couldn't, I, you know, I just haven't watched it since then. You know, Planet Terror is phenomenal with the the gut, Rose yeah, McGowan oh, yeah, with that's the gun right, leg. with the gun leg. Yep. So number four. So number four. And uh, we touched on it a little earlier. Went and seen it today. This instantly it cracks. Make it. Instantly cracks the top wow. five. Once upon a time in Hollywood. Latest great installment, obviously, from uh, Mr. Tarantino. Script detail, and which I, you know, I mentioned earlier. I didn't realize how much. I guess I went super fresh into this because yeah. I didn't realize how much of the Manson, uh, hmm. you know, situation that it covered in that movie, and. You know, just a great DiCaprio does an oh. awesome job, and the attention to detail with the set, like old Hollywood, Phenomenal. like that. Nice. And you know, Tarantino, he's going to have a lot of those drive scenes, a lot of walking. Oh, yeah. You know, he's going to have a lot, like a lot of long, drawn out scenes, and it's it's really cool in there because you get to see yeah. like a lot of the old backdrops. He's got so cool. I mean, just that little stuff where the, you know it's the 1960s dog food and stuff like that that he has all. Poured out in the there. attention to detail. Yes, and, oh. and it was. And the cast probably is just unbelievable oh, again. Man, it, DiCaprio and Pitt, you can't go wrong. And like I said before, Pitt was, which is hard to beat DiCaprio in a lot of movies. I bet. I bet we're talking about a Oscar preview yeah, time. Yeah, that was 
that was awesome. And I don't want to, you know, you can't give away too sure. much of this. We're what, three days into, uh, yeah. three, four days into yeah. this being released. I'm really looking forward to getting oh, to watch. heck yeah. But number four, it, it cracks the top five for me. That's an easy one. My number four, Kill Bill. Oh, I can't believe yeah. you didn't like this movie. That is insane. Boo. <laughs> don't you do that. Think poem, poem. Think of the, the <laughs> constant, like the soundtrack once yeah. again to this. The, um, when she's getting ready to... Oh, I can't even do this. I don't. I'm not even going to try it. The, the whistling, the, the Daryl Hannah. Yep, the whistling. Uh, but it's when she's walking that. Actually, Daryl Hannah was really good in that. Phenomenal. Yeah, there's so many good ones. Uh, when she what has to happened hunt down, to Daryl Hannah? And then you get uh, David Carradine at the the Ooh, end bean bill. Yeah. It's just so of <laughs> what happened to Daryl Hannah thrown right in the middle of it. Uh, but okay, you glossed over yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, the, all the Kill Bill. But I just think of the amazing fight scene that takes place. Um, it just where she's taking on all of the people. I mean, it's just, I loved it. I loved it. And Man, I'm definitely in the minority when it comes to the Kill Bills. I mean, I mean there's, I think there's no doubt about I, that one. I actually liked Kill Bill Volume 2 better. But it's, it was supposed to be one movie, uh, but the is it a the studio we talking not, Tarantino like between the two of them probably five hours of film. I yes, but I mean I, I no I, I think it's I think it's close to four. Okay, I think it's like three and a half, and the studio refused they refused like, the not three a and a half. That nobody's going to see this, so <laughs> they divided it into you know the two movies. I, and boy, when you watch, and maybe that's part of it too. Like I'd be interested to see what you would think if you watched them back to back, and and did it that way because I I know we've got a viewing of that when we were in college of doing the back to back, and boy is it fantastic! It, well, yeah, I mean one leaves you on such a huge cliffhanger, uh, and then you pick up right where one left off with two, and when you go see it in theaters, I think there was like a six month gap between the two. Like it wasn't horrible, it wasn't a horrible gap between it, but yeah, it's actually that's a fine gap. Yeah, maybe I, I'm off with that, but I think it's pretty darn close. Hmm. So that's my four. I love the Kill Bill, the action sequences, the kind of the samurai, the training, the everything that went into it. You get the backstory, and it's just, it's in the title of what she wants to do. She wants to kill Bill because Bill... Doesn't that give the movie away right there? We know what the, uh, like... That's the whole point. Gotcha. That's what you want to do. Like, I mean, and it, there's just something about revenge movies. Yeah. Where you're just seeking revenge. Like, a lot of these are... Yeah. You like Django was sort oh, yeah. of a revenge. He's movie unchained. There. Yeah. He's unchained. <laughs> All, right. All right. Number three. You ready number for number three. three? I am. I'm going to start going uh, right into the Shock. meat and potatoes of uh, Tarantino. His first movie, Dave, directorial debut, if I'm uh, correct. Reservoir Dogs. You are correct with a directorial debut, and you are also correct with putting that number three because I'm going to jump right in. Yes. That's my number three as well. What a. I just rewatched this again. Uh, the you know the Ringer show rewatchables just yeah. did rewatchables on uh, Reservoir Dogs, so it kind of got the blood flowing yeah. for that a little bit. But man, rewatching this, it was kicks right off in that opening diner scene. It's I mean awesome. the dialogue that goes along with it, and again the camera angles. You know he's doing a tracking shot right around the whole. You know just gets a little bit of everybody in there. Like we enjoy that as viewers of the movie but like think of how hard that is as yeah. a director and as an actor like the, you have to have things rehearsed and timed out 
so perfectly where the camera's going to be in just the right spot when Steve Buscemi's talking yep. or you know you get Michael Madsen that's talking and you get all these guys like it has to be timed out perfectly and the think of the pressure that's on the actor yeah, you get one like uh well Mr. Gray that's Mr. White gosh God dang, dang cut, start cut. The, start the tracking again yeah I, I mean and then imagine it's the last line like well and that's why it's worth the pay the price Oh God, no! Dude. I know those are Sean lines, but Penn. Yeah. God dang it! <laughs> you know Sean, we should we should have brought Sean Penn, Penn in here, yeah. not Chris. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But it's you know you start with that, you get the slow mo walk. Yes, we have the we have the soundtrack. You know, little green bag stuck in the middle with you. Well, it, I don't know what I'm being. In I mean, line. hear that song and I, I start to do the Madsen wa- the Madsen dance. Try and listen to that song and not cut somebody's ear yeah, off. Yeah, it's mean, tough. It's impossible. It's, it's tough impossible. To do. <laughs> but it's I don't know. It it seemed like rewatch like Kristen watched it with me. Not a fan. She, like a bucket and a half Gosh, out dang, of her. The tough Kristen oh, scale. Oh yeah, hated it. She's like, boy, this is bad acting, and it's. Is it over the top? It's you can see, yeah. It is like Timmy Roth when he's you know I'm dying oh, here, you know. Yeah, and and uh, Harvey Keitel's reaching back. You're not gonna die. Say it with me. You're not gonna die. Yeah, it's kind of a tough one, but man, I don't know. I appreciate it though, because you you know it was a low budget, you know, a sure. lower budget oh, movie yeah. that Keitel had to you know uh, back end bank to help make. So. You know, you kind of let some of that stuff go. And Steve Buscemi in that movie, like, holy That's cow. Awesome. I thought he, I mean, if we're doing a silver, you know, the silver, silver tuna award <laughs> for uh, Reservoir Dogs, I'm giving it to Buscemi in that. I thought he was fantastic throughout the whole thing. The classic, you know, it's called a Mexican standoff and you got like yes! four people. Stop putting that gun at my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, Chris, way yeah. to go for it! That was a heck of a Chris Pine, or <laughs> Chris Pine, Chris Penn. You're uh, thinking of your uh, recast there from last was, pod, last pod? Yeah, so that's my number three as well because you talk about your directorial debut uh, really kicking things off, and it is what leads to your next movie. Yep. That's just, I mean, his next movie that is and on can, that list. And you kind of like that they don't show the jewel heist in that, right? I agree. Like and that's one thing Tarant another thing I feel like Tarantino does. He leaves he yep. leaves you to fill what fill the that, gaps what a little bit. was in that bit. briefcase in Pulp Fiction? It, exactly. What is it? Yeah. There is so like I, I feel like I've Googled so many times what's in the briefcase of uh you know, I've heard everything what's in the from uh, Marcellus Wallace's like heart to bars of gold to I mean it just a hmm. wide range of how could it be spec- his heart? They, exactly. They the apartment when, uh, That's the internet. Yeah, You're going to find anything. Jeez. <laughs> Apparently the Russians are telling you know, us know, what they, they do that in Pirates of the Caribbean? Wasn't that uh, the Jack Sparrow? Dead Man's Chest? Dead Man's Chest. <laughs> 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 yeah, I know. Oh, I'm glad you knew what I was talking pretty about. Pretty <laughs> sure that's not an influence on... The look of disgust on your face when you said Dead Man's Chest really gave it away, though. Oh, talk about... Uh, <laughs> franchises that just fell off the pirates of the caribbean the first one was so good yep. and then it's just well without for another pod for another pod uh, stay tuned to september <laughs> uh all right let's get to number two then i'm gonna go in glorious bastards really sliding up to number two and that, that was seems a, awfully high for that's that. that was a surprise i knew it was going to be in the top five it was a surprise leap over reservoir dogs to be honest with you i'm very but surprised it's another pit and then the Christopher Walls performance in this just I felt really yeah really set it apart from everything yeah and 
I don't know. I really just enjoyed the storyline through this whole thing. You got the dialogue. You're going to... You have the classic Tarantino intense scenes, you know, when they're down in that underground bar kind of thing, playing that card game on top of their heads. And it's, I don't know, just, that was one of the one of the movies that really stuck out for me. And oh. I've always loved Inglourious And then Bastards. we talk about revenge fantasies. Can you have a and better revenge yep. fantasy than killing, killing Nazis? Nazis? <laughs> I mean, that's, is there a better villain in history yep. than the the nazis to see them like oh get maybe their that's it like you're all right all yeah. right you know and killing nazis and business is good yeah uh, i mean it's it's phenomenal and then you make it the band of like jewish mm-hmm. people that are there getting the revenge for the, the holocaust and it's just it's living that out of me like oh man it's it's like just, eli roth yes. plays the bear jew in there yeah and it's i mean diane uh, kruger brad pitt oh. michael fassbender another, i mean another, another and that's a consistent theme with all these uh, Tarantino movies. Yeah, he's getting heavy hitters for all of his roles, and it's it's impressive. And not and not just the like the title roles, not just yeah. the top ones. You know, Fastbender isn't in there a ton. No, but you know, all right, we're gonna we're gonna need this type of guy for this. Yeah. you know, for this type of role, and it, you love that they deliver. I mean, like you that. look at like Bruce Willis isn't in Pulp Fiction all yeah. that much. Uh, you look at Ving Rhames isn't in Pulp Fiction yeah, all that much, yeah, but he leaves an impression. The back of his head is in Pulp Fiction almost <laughs> just as much as uh, Ving Rhames is. <laughs> uh, uh, that's when he's in the car, I think, yeah, yeah. is that scene, huh? <laughs> looking at that. But no, you're absolutely right when you, you look at just all of the cast. I mean, that's a sign of a good director, right? Yeah. That all these people want to work with him. Yep. And, you and Scorsese, really you'll have that with him. Oh, I mean, yeah. and that's that's a good point with a lot of good directors. They have that. They have that following and it's it seems lately that you know to jump on to uh gosh I'm, leo yeah you know, he he's following tarantino lately he went Starting from a, right. yeah, i mean Jango what a smart and, guy yeah. like going from uh scorsese you know what i'm gonna hey hey quentin uh you know i'll, I'll ride with you for a few movies Absolutely. like brilliant love I, the move couldn't agree more my number two pulp fiction Pulp Fiction. I know many would think it's his number one. I know that's a that's a look at Wes is walking out. So we know what Wes's number one is. We know what Wes's number one is. Uh, Pulp Fiction, I think, is clearly what gave Tarantino a blank check to do whatever he wants. Yes. Like I mean, that's he's able to do whatever movie he wants because people. This is 1994, and people still love this. Even think something of, as simple as this cab scene here, yeah. Dave. We got Pulp Fiction going on in the background, and it's just. It was their name, Eleanor Villa Lobos yeah, or yeah, something yeah. like that. It just that that little scene right there is just Bruce is phenomenal. Yeah. In it. it's it, you look at just everything that Pulp Fiction has to offer: dialogue, soundtrack, mm-hmm. you know, good action scenes in some parts. Uh, then you go to the what is it? The Wolf is the cleaner. Yeah, the Wolf. Uh, you know, clean the Harvey Keitel in there, and it's just it's so great. All the different set pieces and everything, and then the 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 way that you talked about the nonlinear storytelling. So you kind of get glimpses of what might happen. And then it's like, oh man, look at that all come together. That is so crazy how it's yep. just, and you know, it comes together that way. And I, I that's what I absolutely love about it. Um, and it, it just, it's the movie that put him on the map and I really like it. And here's why I can't quite give it the number one. And I struggle with it. I just don't like John Travolta. I don't what? like Travolta. No kidding. Not, he's, he's good in this movie. Don't get me wrong. But I am so, and if You're you so say anti- Michael one time. What is, the Michael is fantastic, actually. I can't wait for the Travolta top I just, five. Not a, 
I, I would struggle. I don't know if I could put face off in Pulp Fiction. That might be all. Well, no, you know what? I give him a big look. Who's talking, Dap? Yeah, absolutely. Like, hey, Sandy. I, I don't. <laughs> my troll is terrible. Sandy, Sandy. You got a lisp all of a sudden. Sandy. <laughs> That's, that's my Travolta. That's what, yeah. that's what he sounds like to me. So that's that's definitely where I'm at. Uh, in all timer for the importance. Yeah. For the importance, I think it is by far his most important movie for cinema. It's his most important movie. You know, for legacy, it's his most important movie. But as you always say, this is my top five. Yeah. I got to put it at number two. And I'm just gonna you know piggyback off that a little. It's obviously my number one. Yeah. It's this is. I think, gun to head, Wes, we're going to send you away for years. You get to pick one movie. I'm grabbing Pulp Fiction. It's it's such an easy put on for me. And it's because of that non-linear yeah, timeline. Sure. You can jump into that movie whenever. And it's, it's honestly fine. It's one tasty burger. Yes. It's Sam Jackson. Quotes, Sam Jackson should have won an Oscar for this. It's, you know, the they're sitting at the diamond. Is that a $5 shake? There's no bourbon or anything in it? I don't know if it's worth $5. It's a pretty... <laughs> Good shake, you know. And I wish you could do more oh, lines, wow, but I think every quotable line in there, there's some type of f bomb. I mean, oh, we got Royal with cheese. You get, you know, you get yeah, something. The but, honey bunnies. You got a big shout yeah. out to Big Kahuna Burger yeah. there. Oh yeah, no, there's that's you're definitely getting a lot of uh, vulgarity in the Tarantino movies. And how about this? How about Vincent Vega in this movie? Vic Vega. In Reservoir Dogs, hmm. brothers, Tarantino brothers, he had full intentions of making a Vega movie what? after these. It just, they by the time you wanted to do it, they got too old. Oh, I had no idea. Vic Vega and Reservoir Dogs, Mike Madsen, Michael Madsen, oh. Vincent Vega and Pulp Fiction, brothers. That's and, incredible. And let me throw this out. And I, you know, I did, this is uh, just a Wes observation. Both yeah, no, we don't have to. Yeah, spoilers are fine here. Yeah, it was nineteen ninety four. Both gunned down the same way. You know, if you remember in Reservoir Dogs, he's dancing with the ear, and Timmy Roth guns him down in the chest unexpectedly. In Pulp Fiction, Travolta coming on the coming out of the hopper, gunned down in the chest unexpectedly. Same center mass shooting. Oh man, the Vega Boys. Look at that. That's crazy. Yeah. That's so that's amazing. Good observation. Yeah, that's I just happened to notice that. I'm like, boy, they both got uh, center mass. Top of the head tidbit. Right? Top top <laughs> of the tids. Top of the tids. Uh so definitely a, a great, great observation there. And a good number one, a great top five. We differed a little bit, obviously, in this list. Oh, yeah. Who, who, My number one. There it is. Inglorious Bastards. Ah, I oh, you, you're. I I had a slide play. Uh, you threw me off there. Couldn't believe it was in there. <laughs> Two that seems high. Come on, I'm a history guy. Yep. Uh, in World There's War II, the Tarantino my, history there. And truthfully, two scenes put this over the top for me. Christoph Waltz. The opening scene, yes. the tension that's there when they're hiding the Jewish people below, and the, the girl runs out of the house, and you know, she's then he's trying to hunt yep. her, and you have all that. You can't quite hit his shot, you know, trying to do all those different things. But like just that dialogue in that opening scene where he he doesn't seem like this horrible villain. Obviously, he's a no, Nazi, so he's no. horrible. But he's like just to the way he, he talks, seems so, so pleasant and, and proper, and you know, looking at the way he you know 
enunciate syntax. You know, it's, it's what is it talking about the little mice? Yep. Uh, and yeah. looking at that, it's been a while since I've got to get a view in. Uh, but that scene is incredible. And the scene that you talked about, I'm so glad. I was hoping that you weren't going to go into so much detail. I think it's the best Quentin the Tarantino basement. scene. The basement yes. scene. Is they the call best. this here Mexican standoff. You know, Pitt yelling down the stairs. Yeah, <laughs> but it is the. I think it's the the tensest scene in a yeah. In a, in heck a, I yes, mean, and everything that's on the line. And I Hugo hate Stieglitz it. <laughs> because I just I love Michael Fassbender. Such a Fassbender fan, and you know, it's just like man, I didn't get enough Fassbender. Yeah, and that's where I was so shocked the first time that you watch it, and you just you lose him. I was uh, I was reading something up about uh, Inglorious Bass, and just one of those Tarantino like plot lines that kind of come full circle. So the opening scene, obviously, that girl gets away from a milk farmer. Yeah. If you remember when he uh, he kind of re meets up with her in a diner, I forget yeah. where he's you know he's asking for the creme. Yeah, the, it's and he's in the, the specifically, restaurant. would you? I'll have a milk, and he looks at her, and it was just one of those like. I know that you're that girl. Yeah. And it's, I'd never, I never caught that. I absolutely never caught that until I was reading this article about it. I'm like, my God, that's this like, th- like he doesn't even, he doesn't really allude to it the rest of the time, but it's that little bit that he wants to put in there bit. for that yeah, little bit, little bit, that little bit that he wants the audience to maybe you catch, maybe you don't catch, but when you do catch, you're going to oh, freaking love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. You almost Tarantino yeah, right, right there. I know. Uh, yeah. You're getting a little, uh, a little wound <laughs> up. So, there, there it is. Just a, a quick rundown of my top five. Again, I had Death Proof at five, part of the Grindhouse uh, double feature, Kill Bill at four, Reservoir Dogs at three, Pulp Fiction two, and Glorious Bastards at number one. Davey, I had uh, True Romance number five, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, brand new Exciting. at number four. Reservoir Dogs number three, Inglorious Bastards number two, and Pulp Fiction number one. So our top three were the same, just in different orders. Yep. And I think for a lot of people, that's what it's going to be. Maybe not Inglorious Bastards. I could see others. Yep. I was really shocked Jackie Brown didn't make your top five. I know that, you're a big Jackie Brown fan. That was a tough. It, it got bumped out today. Today, for sure, for sure that would have been in. Love Jackie Brown. Yeah. It, really hard for me to leave that one out. But boy, I just really enjoyed the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's. It, that well worth a watch. I can't wait for you to give it get it in. He's but. definitely one of the most popular directors out there. That's why we wanted to do a top five. I think we'll save, you know, a, a bucket list or two for for some Tarantino movies down the line. I mean, I don't think we're planning on going anywhere soon. I mean, at least for August, we're uh, you know taking that off. But I mean, we're we we're hoping to do this yeah. for a while still. So we want to leave our options open, buddy. You uh, got doing that. I got a quick uh, oh. casting what if for Kill Bill Logan, for you. Yes. Couple, just a couple of quick one off tidbits. If I was you don't I was mind. worried. I was worried. I didn't right. see the. Just a, we can't we can't leave the colonels without no. tidbits for a month. That's too no. much, right? Jack would be crying in Colonel's corner. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so, the first choice for the title role in Kill Bill. Warren Beatty. Oh, man. That Warren Beatty to go along with her. To be Bill. Yep. That would have been really that was, good. That was Tarantino's first choice for that. He famously barely acts in anything, though. Yeah, that, like every I'm surprised. Because he, to be honest with you, Beatty still looks pretty good. Yeah, it's <laughs> like every 10 years. Why he's not doing years. stuff? Yeah. And uh, so, Inglorious Bastards, top two for us. The original, instead of Christopher Waltz, originally uh, Tarantino had DiCaprio lined up for this. DiCaprio had to bow out at the last minute, so they had to scramble and get Chris Walls. Like, yeah. what, a, what a recovery. It was, and, and that was, he was a pretty 
big no-name. Once again, talk about uh, Tarantino putting somebody on the map. He was pretty much a no-name at that point. So that was Chris, huge. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, those were just a couple of oh, one-offs I, I found out about Tarantino. for. Uh... As much as I love Leo, I think Christoph Waltz oh, played yeah. it so much yep. better uh, in doing that. So it's a lot of fun. This is what I'm a little worried about. Tarantino says he is done at Movie 10. He said that's going to be wow. it. And I don't know if you saw this. There's the talks of him doing the Star Trek movie. So I, I don't know if I want that to be his 10th movie. And that's he calls it quits. I'm hoping that's not what's going to happen. I don't know how a Star Trek Tarantino would go. He said it would be rated R. So imagine oh. just beam me the F up, Scotty. And, you know, all of that stuff being in there. That, it would yeah, that'd be, be kind of cool. Yeah. But I... <laughs> I don't know how Harvey Keitel is going to do as Captain Kirk, though. That's because uh, so, you know he's going to bring the, the brood back together. Yeah. Michael Madsen in there as Spock. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, he's got the Spock. ears. It wouldn't be Spock. He would have to cut yeah. Spock's ear off. That's a good uh, point. So that, that we'll see if that's his film ten. Um, there's talks. I, I know nothing's official yet, but a lot of fun taking the deep Heck dive yeah. here. Uh, like we said, we're taking August off. We'll be back right after Labor Day. Uh, go back and get caught up. Get caught up if it's just like, ah, I missed out on this pod. Feel free to get caught back up. Absolutely. Take those out. We'll maybe, you know, send out some reminders of, ah, maybe you missed this one. Uh, you know, that Major League one's a pretty solid one if you want to go back and listen to the maybe, maybe we'll send out some video shorts uh, over the month Ooh, here. Yeah, what uh, we call it? Little salty, yeah. so, salty shorts? <laughs> salty shorts. <laughs> We're swimming in the ocean over here? The working uh, title. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll, come up with, we'll come up with something. I, you had something uh, the other night. I don't remember what we called them. Little popcorn shorts. Yeah. Uh, little... Oh, it's right there. A handful of popcorn. Maybe we'll send out a couple handfuls of popcorn and uh, have that. But I've taken too many handfuls of popcorn because I look down. The bucket's empty. It's time for us to hit the road for the month of August. But we appreciate everything. We appreciate all of our listeners. For Wes Ledesma, I'm Dave McPeak. And we will see everybody in September. Two weeks? Two weeks? Does Total Recall make a uh, bucket list?